What is the future of agriculture in Washington State and across this country? It it looks more bleak by the day. I hate to say it. And, you know, we hear more and more about family farms, you know, small and medium-sized farms in particular, not being able to make, even some large farms saying they can't continue to survive uh, under the current conditions, the increasing costs of doing business, um, whether it's from market forces, global competition, uh, added costs just from inflation, and then government mandates that make doing business, growing food so much more expensive, while at the same time the returns that people get for the food that they produce, the, the farmers, the, the money that they make, not going up anywhere close to keeping pace in most cases with the increased costs of doing it in the first place. What, what's going to happen here? Far, farms are starting to go out of business. I'm hearing more and more of it. Of course, we've talked about um, the Cascade Farm story here locally in Whatcom County uh, with the new documentary that's out. If you haven't seen that, by the way, it's called Losing the Farm. You can find it at losingthefarm.com. I would encourage you to check that out if you haven't yet. Um, you know, we're hearing about other farms elsewhere in Washington state calling it quits. The good ones too, not just some fly by night operation that didn't happen to make it. Um, and sadly the numbers that our government is gathering are, are starting to show this. And, and we have some disappointing news to share with what's happening here in Washington state as well with one of those big pressures in terms of labor and the cost of labor um, to farm in Washington State. Joining me right now with the Washington Policy Center, Pam Lewis, and she's the director for their Center on Agriculture. Um, Pam, this, and I want to talk about specifically what's happening with overtime here in Washington State, because that, that bill that we talked about that could give some relief to farm workers and farmers is dead. Um, and we'll, I'll have you help me explain why, but first new numbers are out. Uh, the new, uh, agriculture census from USDA national numbers and Tom Vilsack, the secretary of agriculture saying it's a wake up call. If you could put it in a nutshell, Pam, what would you say the message is from these numbers? Oh, I would hope that the message is. Uh, that the agricultural community, not just in Washington state, but nationally, needs help um, being able to survive. Um, in Washington state in particular, the numbers are pretty stark. Uh, when you look at um, our uh, farm survival rate between 2017 and 2022, Washington state lost an average of 743 farms a year in a five-year span. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's that's over 3,000 farms gone in just five years' time. Yeah. It works and out just to be, Washington State, right? Yes, just in Washington State. It actually works out to be 14 farms a week. 14 farms a week over the past five years gone. And this is what we're seeing. This is the, the crisis mode that farmers are feeling on the ground trying to survive. 
Yeah, I think um, when you look at sort of the regulatory environment that we in Washington are in, both with Washington state regulation and with national regulation as well, uh, farms are just sort of getting squeezed to the point that they just cannot survive anymore. And, And it's not just environmental regulation anymore it's labor regulation it's the cost of doing business is is just so astronomical at this point that farms are not able to make it and they're making that hard choice to say we'll do something else Um, and that something else maybe something that they've never done before but it's you know going to be easier than continuing to push um push against the flow of of um the regulations that they're facing you got to wonder where this ends and it's scary i think what's scary to me and this is this is not hard data like the the agriculture census is but just anecdotally i think what's most troubling to me is not even just the farms that have gone out which is heartbreaking but the number of farms that i know of and people that i've talked to that are still in business and these again the the good ones the good family farms that have been around for a long time in this state who are telling me yeah we're not sure how much longer we can hang on and that number is downright scary I think that's um, something that everyone is hearing. I don't think it's just you. I think everyone uh, in the ag community, whether it's you or me or other people, are all having those same conversations, conversations around do we hang on or, you know, do you get while the getting's good? Um, Because... Uh, more and more, you look at things like some of the other statistics in um, the census of agriculture, things like, you know, that um, the cost of doing business in 2022 was $11 billion. Hmm. And that the average farm was only earning $53,000 in 2022, um, which you know, seems like it might be a decent amount of money, but when you look at the cost of living and the cost of doing business and the cost of having to pay people to work for you, that's not a lot of money. No, you think um, about that in terms of a salary, and you know, especially over for us over here in Western Washington. I mean, good mm-hmm. luck even trying to keep yourself housed and cover all the bases when you're there. I mean, if that represents you know, as an average 50 some thousand dollars, mm-hmm. a salary, not just for one person, but potentially for a family. Good luck. Right. And I think, um, you know, you look at that and you look at things like um, the inflated cost of labor. So, you know, the that's a great one to look at. You know, in 2017, labor was the largest cost uh, reported in the census at $2.18 billion. That was in 2017. In 2022, so we're one year into the overtime uh, ruling in Washington mm-hmm. that year, we're at $2.76 billion. So we went up more than, than uh, half a billion dollars in one year with overtime. And that was at the 55-hour threshold. Yeah, wait for those numbers to come in now over the, you know, 
two more years of phasing now that we're down to 40 hour a week overtime uh, rules in Washington state. Uh, it's crazy. And the sad part on top of that is, okay, well, it's more expensive. And that's what some people would say, well, that's what you would expect. You know, that's, they play the whole fairness card on overtime. And, the, you know, we've talked a lot on this show about the arguments for and against this. But the reality is that extra money, that extra cost is not helping, by and large, not helping the very people it was supposed to help either. And it's just driving farms out of business, um, spread between more people, not enriching any particular, in, in fact, the rules and the way it's rolled out, hurting people, make it e making it even more difficult uh, for them to make a living, which is counterintuitive. I recognize for people on this whole overtime issue, but that is the reality. And that's what that community, you know, the farm worker community is speaking out on now as well. With us right now is Pam Lewison. She is the director of the Center for Agriculture, the Washington Policy Center. Um, with us here on the Farming Show, again, I'm Dylan Honkoop. Um, Pam, talk uh, about specifically on this overtime issue. We're talking about the increasing costs, and this is a big driver in Washington State right now for additional costs and pushing people to the brink, farm, pushing farms to the, the precipice of whether they're going to survive or not. Uh, there was a bill, and we've talked about it a lot on the show, that would bring some relief, not just for farmers, but for farm workers too. allow farm workers to make more money and ease the burden for farmers um, in this idea of seasonality, as it's called, that would allow an exemption from uh, the, this overtime restriction for a set period chosen by a farm. Uh, it was state senate bill uh sb 5476 i should have this seared into my brain by now what happened with this bill explain legislatively the the journey that's been on in the last couple of months here so 5476 uh, was actually introduced last year during the legislative session and had a hearing in the senate labor committee uh, for anybody who watched that hearing, you will remember that it was a mess. Um, there was a lot of editorial comments from um, members of the committee um, and a lot of, um, you know, potential misrepresentation of um, testimony that was in Spanish mm -hmm. from committee members. Uh, this, this legislative session, um, it was indicated by uh, committee chair Kaiser that um, the the bill would get a hearing again. Um, there would be allowed a panel pro and con, three people apiece, um, and each um, member of the panel would have two minutes to testify. Um, she essentially indicated that it that the hearing this session would be a courtesy. Um, and that's effectively what happened. Uh, that in and of itself is a bit unusual, right? If, if there was, if there's a bill and there had already been a hearing on it in a given committee and the bill is still in that committee, hasn't been voted out, hasn't been moved to exec for them to bring that same bill back the next year and have another hearing on it. Isn't that kind of unusual? I think I think because of how poorly the testimony went last year, mm. um, there was um, that this was this year's testimony was a little bit of a mea culpa. 
Um, hmm. However, it was it was also made very clear that there was going to be no vote on on this particular piece of legislation. Um, that that there would be a hearing um, as a as a courtesy to the prime sponsor Senator King, and um, in deference to the amount of work that he had done to bring this idea to the fore. Um, and to give him, you know, effectively his day in court, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was also, um, you know, very much strongly indicated that the intention was not for this bill to move out of committee. Um, So the hearing went forward, both uh, pro and con had their uh, six minutes of testimony. There were um, very few questions of either panel, and um, and then the hearing was closed, hmm. and and the bill died. Uh, I think the really unfortunate part of that is uh, you had testimony that was really compelling. Um, farm worker farm workers testifying, saying, you know, hey, uh, this is really impacting my ability to to live a good life. Um, farm owners testifying saying, you know, I have had to close my business uh, because of policies that you've enacted. Um, And so you have these really compelling stories about the real world impact of of this uh, policy that those of us in agriculture knew was going to be detrimental. And yet it wasn't good enough. It's such uh, a, it's such a see, I told you so. I mean, we predicted that at the same time, it's hard to even say that because it's not just a political gamesmanship point. I mean, this is so real, so raw and personal and hurting so many people. I just don't even feel right saying, see, we told you this is what was going to happen, even though that is the truth. This is exactly what was predicted to be the problem with this. And like you say, so many people now, we've had multiple, you know, even farm workers here on the show talking about their frustration with this and how it's harming um, their bottom line and causing them to consider leaving agriculture altogether in some cases. Well, and I think the real trouble with it is when you have a really small minority um, farm worker union with such an outsized voice in this discussion, um, there's sort of no way around it, right? Yeah, you yeah. have you have this um, this farm worker union who speaks really loudly and often and sort of has the ear, of um, of a really powerful segment of our legislative population that makes it almost impossible to get beyond them, uh, even when you have quite literally hundreds of farm workers saying, "Hey, this this small group of people they don't speak for me," yeah. and not only do they not speak for me, but they've never actually spoken to me. So they don't have any idea of what I'm going through, what my family is going through. Well, and then exactly right. There's been testimony, you know, some really 
uh, sharp people, uh, farm workers and farmers sharing about this before these lawmakers. You know, the, the rallies that I was involved with this fall, uh, over, you know, around 1,000 people, uh, worker 1,000 workers coming out uh, because they're frustrated about this. Then, you know, just days before this second courtesy hearing on this bill, you know, 300 workers at the state capitol uh, coming all the way over to Olympia, most of them from eastern Washington, to say they want some change. They they want this the seasonality idea. They don't like the way the system is working. What's telling to me, Pam, and again, we're talking with Pam Lewison with Washington Policy Center here on the Farming Show uh, this morning, is that Senator Kaiser, the the chair of this labor committee where this all got hung up and where you know, she's the person that didn't allow this to, to move forward. Ultimately, she's in charge of what bills uh, come up for a vote and what don't. And she didn't allow this one up for a vote. She basically said, and I don't have the full quote in front of me, but she basically said that she knows that there's a problem. She can see that there's a problem. She knows it's broken, but she doesn't want to quote unquote, fix this on the back of workers. Yet, so and so in some ways, it's encouraging to me that this this legislator sees that there's a problem. But it's crazy to me that she's saying she doesn't want to fix it on the back of workers, quote unquote, and yet ignoring the voices of what the workers themselves want. They're saying very clearly in large number. I don't know what 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 what, what's the deal with Senator Kaiser here and what's it going to take to sway her? I think that's where that's where you sort of have to separate the forest through the trees yep. a little bit, uh, because I think that is that very very tiny farm worker union, yep. uh, sort of whispering in the ear of legislators saying, "But I represent all of these people." Um, when you have this vast farm worker population that is not represented by that union saying. Um, you know, please come talk to us. Please come talk to me yeah. because what I am experiencing is much different than what you are being told by this tiny, tiny group. And until we can get um, those steps to actually happen, I think that we're going to continue to have this sort of push pull. What does it take to get those steps, you know, to, to jumpstart that? I mean, I, I guess anybody's guess is, is out there, but, you know, it, there are things that can be done to make this real. Um, and, you know, I'm certainly trying to do my part, but it takes a lot more than, than just me or my organization even to, to turn this around and to make this real to these decision makers. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a continual what it's going to take, I think, is really that continual groundswell from our farm worker community saying, not them, me, yeah. not them, us. And we as a community, I think it's really incumbent upon us to empower our farm workers to continue to be able to rally and to continue to be able to make their voices heard first so that we can really show that one, we are a community, and two, um, that those farm worker voices are just as valuable and just as important as anybody else's. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for your time this morning. We appreciate it. We're out of time. I'm sure we could 
discuss much longer because there's a lot of moving pieces to all this. Pam Lewison, the director of the Center for Agriculture at the Washington Policy Center. Thank you for your time this morning. And and more importantly, thank you for the work that you do studying these things, following the numbers and uh, giving report. You you have a a new piece coming out on these ag census numbers coming up uh, on Monday, right? Correct. Check that out at WashingtonPolicy.org. Pam Lewison, um, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me.